Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to The Accelerator with Michael Conniff. That's me. We are a podcast devoted and dedicated to founders, startups, entrepreneurs, and also the angels, VCs, family offices, investment firms that want to know all about them. Um, we want to remind you that we are found on all the major podcast platforms. Make sure to subscribe and rate us um, so that you can keep up with it. And also we're on YouTube, so you can get the full video expression of the interview. And today we have an extremely interesting guest, Batu Shot from Locate IQ. Welcome to the podcast, Batu. Great to have you. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. And uh, we cross paths up at Holt um, Holt Exchange up in Montreal, where uh, Batu was uh, in the FinTech Accelerator. Um, and, and I was just really struck by something you said. Um, we actually did a storytelling session too, I think, um, as I recall. And I was really struck by what you said. Um, uh, at one point, I asked you about geofencing. And we're going to get to what your company does. But you said, oh, we have a technology that's 10 times better than geofencing. And I'm like, really? Okay, I want to hear more about this. So, um, and geofencing is essentially location uh, determining um, technology within a retail environment, the way it's sort of playing out now. That's what people generally mean when they say geofencing. But t tell us what Locate IQ does and um, how it's different and better than what's out there, presumably. Uh, I think that's a great start. Uh, people who are familiar with geofencing can appreciate creating some context in terms of what the customers are thinking of or what they're about to do. What we are doing is unpacking that geofence, which is usually around like 300 feet or more. So there might be hundreds of stores, hundreds of different activities possible within that area. So by unpacking that, for example, in a shopping mall setting or a downtown setting, we can understand the particular stores the customer visits before they make a purchase. So the information will be very relevant and contextual uh, for the customer so that uh, it can drive to purchases and they can be informed about offers, rewards and promotions that they are already eligible for but frankly, maybe too lazy to open up the app and scroll through the offers. So, so tell me how many um, how many customers do you have, and 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 what does revenue and traction look like so far? So we have around twenty five million monthly active users, uh, and that's around uh, more than uh, ten countries around the world. Uh, we are. You can see this, but my jaw just dropped when you said 25 million. You can't see that on the podcast. Um, that is an amazing number, but but where are they spread? What countries are they in primarily? Uh, so we have uh, North America. We have uh, sort of Turkey and Middle East, and we have Southeast Asia and Japan. So we are, we are operating in uh, across 12 time zones. Uh, which takes a lot of dedication and team coordination. Uh, yeah. But it looks like uh, those are the places that uh, naturally grow. And we are thinking of other places, but these have been uh, where we are blessed. Okay, so how does this work? Is it an app? 
Uh, it's not an app. It's uh, empowering apps. It's empowering bank, financial institution, fintechs, buy now, pay later apps, merchants, e-com, uh, telecom apps, so that they can understand their own customers better. And instead of sending irrelevant information and notification and annoying the customer, they can be more relevant. So but what, how, uh, do you empower them? how does this work? How do you actually, what is it? What does the technology do? So the technology uh, allows the same permission, same location permission you ask for from your customers to give more granular location data. So it allows for setting up campaigns based on your current location. Uh, maybe you visit Nike for five minutes and Adidas for 10 minutes. And then if there's an offer with your bank to get a 20% discount, that's the right time to know about it. And this allows them, allows the CRM and campaign managers to seamlessly deliver this experience. Okay, so so how how does what does your technology do to allow Nike in that example to know where you are? Um, so Nike's your customer, I assume, right? But what what's the what where is the software? Where is where is the uh, where, where is this happening? So the beauty of this is. The previous technology, as you mentioned, is either geofencing or placing hardware to each individual store or shopping mall or downtown, which is not feasible, and it creates islands of coverage. What we do is we utilize the signals already in the environment, so it does not require any hardware. Nike doesn't have to be our customer. Uh, all we need is an application that we integrate the SDK, so that that application has the understanding of the customer journey and then surface offers through our SDK as a push notification. Where does that that application live, I guess? And and obviously I'm a non-technical person, so explain this to me like I'm five years old. Like where does the the technology live? The technology is two parts. One part lives in the application itself uh, it might be your bank, it might be your fintech or your uh, merchant app, your Starbucks app. Mm-hmm. And that part is a very small part of it. It doesn't drain the battery. It doesn't use a lot of data. We made sure of that. The other part is in the back in the back end, in the servers, where we developed algorithms th- throughout our, our careers to make sure that we can get that precise three-dimensional location. And then it matches with the campaigns and then delivers the notifications. Okay, so great. So here's my question. I'm in, uh, say I'm in the Cherry Creek Mall in Denver, Colorado, uh, which I've been in many times. And I know there are, I believe, just uh, two, two floors, right? So I walk in, I go up the escalator to the second floor, let's say, for example. Um, you know, clearly you would know I'm in the Cherry Creek Mall. Um, would you know I'm upstairs versus downstairs? Of course. Yeah, that's the important part to understand different elevations, different levels. And then whether you're in the corridor just browsing, window shopping, or you're actually spending 10, 15 minutes in a store, maybe about to purchase. And that provides the context so that the messaging is right. It's not... I mean, when you're 
geofencing, you might say, oh, there are great offers in the mall, come in. When you know you're in the mall itself, you might say, oh, you're already here, here's a free coffee or buy one lunch and then get a second one free. Yeah, it's a different, different, yeah. But if you're actually in the store spending 15 minutes, those previous messages are not relevant. It might be even annoying. You're already there. So what's relevant might be if you have a cashback offer for that store you're already in, that's great. You save while spending. That's all, all, all of us want nowadays. Okay, so let's let me just drill down on this. So say that you know I'm at I'm, I'm at Macy's, for example. But um let's say it's uh let's say it's uh Valentine's Day and I'm in Macy's and I'm in the sports department or the men's department. Um are you able to identify that specificity? And then can you say, hey, go get a Valentine's Day gift for your wife? Um, in the women's department, for example, can you do that? Is it, is it that? How specific can you get? Yes, those department stores are almost like five, six different stores, and we can distinguish yeah. between them. And we don't do the creatives ourselves, but we empower those campaign managers that has been doing this day in and day out. Give these kind of levers so that they can be more creative and more contextual. And maybe okay. they visited uh, some other store before going to Macy's. So you would know maybe you went to a jeans store. Uh, then instead of any kind of product that's sold in Macy's, you can be more specific. Oh, are you looking to buy jeans in Macy's? We have some new selections. That kind of a cross relevance, understanding your mm-hmm. shopping list in your mind gives a lot of insight and a lot of utility. Okay, here to me is the key question. How precise can you be? Can you, um, let, let me give you an example. If I go to a concert, um, could, you, could you identify, could you locate using the locate IQ um, algorithms um, and the data you have? Could you, you know I'm at the concert, right? You know I'm there. But <laughs> how would you know where I am at the concert? Would you know? Uh, I'm in the front row, would you know, to the seat level or the row level, or how specific can you get? Uh, Definitely section level, but if there are good enough signals, like in a shopping environment, there's good enough signals, the accuracy grows better and better. And as you stay somewhere more, longer, uh, then it becomes more and more precise. It's almost like that blue circle when you open up your GPS Initially, it's a little bit wide, but it tracks uh, down to more precise. That's exactly uh, how it works. Okay, so how is this being used now? What are the key applications? So there are many applications for financial institutions. One is to uh, promote the information for card usage, to inform about the benefits so you can save while spending, about credits, personal credits, Uh, auto loan, mortgage, understanding your intent at the right time is very useful in terms of uh, getting this context and providing a point of sales uh, credit offering from your trusted bank that you already have in your wallet. Then comes the fraud prevention part, where knowing your location automatically 
prevents people to use your card when you are not there, when somebody's trying to steal your, uh, like use your cards for fraudulent purposes right. or the other way around. You might be traveling across state lines or to another country and your beloved uh, card gets declined in the most uh, unopportune time. So this also allows to prevent those because you, your uh, location permission automatically empowers those payment platforms to understand you're there. So is it done through the, <laughs> pardon me, through the GPS on the phone? To ask an obvious question. GPS is the start point. That's where geofencing works. But GPS is usually not enough when you're in an enclosed space, in a shopping mall with multiple floors, or even downtowns where stores are next to each other. So we have developed precise location tech that can do the levels and inside the store or in the corridor. That's sort of my and co-founders' uh, expertise. We have around 35 years between us in the tech space, developing algorithms for big companies. And how and how um, how did you come upon this application? I'm sure you knew about geofencing, but what made you think that you could do a better job? So those are two different questions. We knew that we could do a better job with uh, my co-founder's uh, PhD in location tech, in Wi-Fi, and my PhD in machine learning. One, uh, we were best friends living in the same apartment complex in San Jose, near where I worked at Cisco at the time. And what happened is he said, oh, I can do this without any hardware because hardware was the hardest limitation. And I said, oh, we, I can do it and I can make it a billion times in a scalable way and we can learn human behavior. Uh, and then that's the origin story. Of course, uh, we quit our jobs and dedicated full time to this. It took almost a year and a half to get this algorithm right. Uh, because you have different ones for floor, store, and so forth. And as far as we know, only a handful of companies around the world, most of them are the big tech companies that can do this kind of precision without any hardware and this coverage. So I assume you're planning on making it even more precise, right? Um, not necessarily precise enough to understand the shopping's pur uh, purchase intent, I think it's good enough. What we are trying to get is to do more applications of that. Something we started in Malaysia is credit scoring. So that promotes financial inclusion for people who do not have the credit history or mm -hmm. a thin file, so they might not get traditional credit because of their credit scores. But with this, location might be a good indication whether they're credit worthy. And uh, so banks and financial institutions can make those decisions much easier with our technology. And what are some of the other things um, you're going to be able to do with the data? Like, I know that the idea of a recommendation engine has come up. Um, are you finding out enough about consumers that you will have data others do not? It sounds like you will. Definitely a, a bank or even a processor like Visa or MasterCard has only the purchases or parts of the purchases of a customer. We know the story before the purchase. 
So that's very important in terms of understanding the behavior, what works, what doesn't work to make the uh, purchase decision, as well as sort of uh, creating a persona. What does this person interest in? So it can be even more relevant. And you can do that individually. So so if you know I go into Nike, um, then um, there's a mall, another mall I've been in a lot outside of Denver, um, uh, Colorado Springs. I, I can't I can't remember the exact name, but it's got, you know, Adidas, Nike, Eddie Bauer. It's got every store that I shop in, basically. So you would know that, okay, he went to the Gap and he was in the Gap for 12 minutes. Uh, and then he went to Eddie Bauer and then he went to Nike and so on and so forth. So you can get a very precise profile, not just of uh, what I've bought, but maybe also like where I didn't buy. Right. Just as one example, like, OK, he went into Nike. He didn't buy anything. You know, why is that? Did Nike have a sale on? Did they not? Those sorts of things. Is that kind of kind of where it goes? Um, yes and no. Of course, AI empowers all these making decisions very easily. So you can put the data and then we can predict a lot of things. But nowadays, you're limited with the capacity of those campaign managers making partnership decisions with the merchants. So usually how it practically goes is you find a merchant, you convince them to provide some cash back and then find an audience that matches that. So you might be part of that audience because of some of your visits and some of your uh, propensity, luxury level and frequency. And, and then once you're in that group, then that promotion might be the right one for you and it will be delivered at the right time when you can take action. So everybody wants to feel special and a uh, segment of one, but in practical terms, until AI gets all of these automatically, we are still limited to the offers that a campaign manager uh, thinks of. Sure, sure. Now, um, th- th- I wanted to ask you just exactly where you are. So um, you, what are revenues like right now and how many people do you have working? Uh, we have around 30 uh, around the world. Uh, anywhere from North America to Turkey, Middle East to uh, Southeast Asia. And the revenues are growing pretty fast. What I can give approximates that were uh, in the last quarter is around a million, but we are growing 3x year over year and even thinking faster this year around uh, Mm -hmm. because of the partnerships we have formed. So we are not just selling directly, but providing this as an add-on functionality uh, to other uh, big tech companies that are helping us. So what would be uh, an example of a typical partnership you're doing right now? So uh, some of those I can name are Microsoft, KPMG, Oracle, uh, FIS, uh, and many others similar to that, uh, where we are creating a sort of data that helps with their product as well, or helps their client, which might be banks and fintechs. Uh, so it really makes sense to, it creates a better together story. So maybe there, Microsoft is effectively marketing your product for you or Oracle in that situation? 
Yes, uh, for particular industries, they do because they see the value to their own end clients and we pre-integrate with their own products. So it can work on their cloud or on their database or on their CRM system. Uh, so it becomes less of an integration of different unrelated technologies, but a proven, already integrated, tried and true solution. Uh, Batu Shat is the CEO and founder of Locate IQ. Um, he and I met up in Montreal, uh, where where I'm an advisor to Holt uh, Exchange, and he was in the fintech accelerator. I want to point out I have no financial interest in in your company. I just like your company. Um, what um, so normally by this time I would have spent about ten minutes on on your background and your personal life, but I'm so interested in the company we haven't really talked about that. So, is this are you kind of doing what you you thought you would do? You said you you know you you um, got educated, <coughs> excuse me, in machine learning, and um, I know the last time we talked you were I believe in Istanbul. Is that right? Are you still there? Yes, I I go across San Francisco as my home, Istanbul and Singapore. So depending on the time zones and the teams that I'm building, uh, I might spend a month here, a month there and so forth. So trying to be universal across uh, 12 time zones. Is this your first startup? It is my first official startup. I had uh, several projects before that sort of prepared me from uh, being an academic uh, to a industry and then to a startup. So I think of my uh, life as three careers, one in academia, getting my PhD, doing uh, deep research, and then doing more practical things at Cisco, uh, building the Cisco telepresence. I was one of the first team members joining in and who've done a PhD advanced study on that uh, subject. Uh, and then, uh, of course, startup is a whole different ball game. I, in between Cisco and my startup, I was in another startup where I had the experience to see a 50 to 100 person startup. Uh, I was reporting to the CTO and saw how that whole process uh, operates compared to a 100,000 person uh, company where all the things are a little bit different. So, but I can say there is consistency. So in during my PhD, what I learned is to find a worthwhile problem and that is hard enough that it's not solved, but it's worthy when it's solved. But you have to solve it yourself. That's mm -hmm. your thesis. You have mm -hmm. to find a problem. And in, uh, in a startup, again, you have to find a product that's worth people, uh, people are looking for that, they are interested in it. It has to be hard enough that not everybody has done it, but you have to be able to do it, either yourself or as a team. So you have to have those skills to build the team to, uh, and then execute the product. And, and so what problem in the case of uh, Locate IQ, what problem are you solving for? What is the problem you're, what is the pain point you're trying to relieve? Pain point for financial institutions and merchants are they wanna increase their customer's revenue. So they wanna increase the share of wallets. So creating a product 
is relatively easy now. Creating a card or a loan product is easier, but getting customers to use it consistently, being top of mind and top of wallet, that's the hard part. So that's what we are doing. You're aiding that. Um, you know, in 1982, uh, I'm a lot older than you, Betu. In 1982, I was at, worked at American Express in the uh, what was called travel related services, which is where the credit card where they, actually they weren't credit cards. They were uh, charge cards because there was no credit. You had to pay it every month. Right. Back then. And I remember Lou Gerstner, who later went on to um, to run IBM. He was to save IBM. Actually, he was running this unit at American Express. And he said, you know, when I got here, people said to me, credit cards are a mature business. It's only going to decline. That was in 1982. <laughs> and, you know, I guess, uh, you know, 30, you know, decades ago, right? And they still haven't stopped. They're still going strong, right? New cards, new this, new that. So um, I think you're in the right place at the right time. What would you like to see happen in the next year, in the next two years? So uh, we, as I mentioned, we are serving financial institutions, but as well as merchants, because merchants have a different set of sort of uh, aspirations and challenges that are embedded into this, this dynamic, because they work well with financial institutions as a way to promote their products and uh, bring customers in by providing cashback. So there's a synergy there. But also independently, they want to understand where to open stores. Uh, in a, it might be in a downtown area. It might be in a shopping mall. Even which floor or which side of the shopping mall affects the results. And those are big investment decisions. So yeah. we started helping um, coffee chains, the biggest in the world, one of the biggest uh sort of grocery store chains in the world uh, and so forth and electronic store chains decide where to open stores, where to change and how to merchandise based on the customer potential that's living nearby or visiting that area. So that's the part where we see a lot of growth um, mm. on top of the financial institution services that we do. And we are really passionate about this fraud prevention alternative credit scoring for financial inclusion. So we don't want it just to be a transactional value, but to create more value for the consumers because it's more intimate, more uh, data allows for more contextual services for them. So you want to just continue to see it grow? Yes. Well, I want to point out that the first time you and I talked, I think it was about, you know roughly five or six months ago, uh, we're talking now in f early February 2023. Um, I believe you had 6 million customers back then. Does that sound about right? Um, Six months maybe ago? a little bit more, but we almost double every uh, year yeah. or every six months. So we, my, we're going to get to 50 million next time uh, when, when you uh, host me again. Uh, I can make a promise when we hit 50 million, double, we'll come back again. <laughs> I like that. I like that. But, you know, my jaw dropped at 6 million. Now it's really dropping at 25 million. Um, what is that? Is that 
I mean, obviously it's a key metric, right? It's a, it's an important number, but um, at what, is there a number of customers at which you become ubiquitous? Let's just talk about the United States. So in the United States, if you had, um, basically we're talking about location access, right? To, you know, 10 million plus customers. I don't know, how many in the U.S. do you have? Uh, a little bit less than that, but we're growing pretty fast. So yeah. we are uh, sort of threshold is to get to 10% of the population. That unlocks that other merchant-related statistics yeah. because it becomes significant enough. Is it an advertising business? Uh, we are not in the advertisement business. Okay. We, we, are, we have a strict line. We don't get any personally identifiable information, no ad ID, no device ID. We're a little bit different. Initially, people said you're losing money on the table, but we believed in the privacy and then the industry got to that point where the other approaches... Of course, they were serving good purposes, but our choice was to be different. And then uh, the changes in the industry sort of reduced the pie a bit, but uh, we stayed the same, so we have a bigger percentage of the pie. Yeah, I think it's a smart move. Well, um, Batu, I want to really um, thank you. Um, you've all out there in uh, cyberspace been listening to The Accelerator with Michael Conniff, our guest Batu. Uh, Shot, who is a PhD, uh, co-founder and CEO of, um, of Locate IQ, which I consider to be one of the most interesting startups I've seen, because I, I really think, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you answer this as sort of a final question, but it feels to me that like, if you know where the customer is, you kind of have the keys to the kingdom. Like you literally know where the customer is in real life, physically. That just seems to me profoundly important. Yeah, uh, I, I think this is not just a take, but it should be a give and take. And I think we are striking the right balance in terms of creating a compelling way, reasons for the users to get the offers that they're eligible for, being protected from fraud, and have the ability to borrow when their credit score is not uh, enough. So creating these compelling ways for the consumer allows us to get their trust and uh, allow them uh, to get better services from their trusted financial institutions. So that it's a give and take, and I think we have to keep that trust, and uh, we are striving towards that. Very important word, trust in all business. Hey, thank you so much for, for being with us, Batu. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to The Accelerator. Uh, we're on all the major podcast platforms. You can go to my website, michaelconniff.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-C-O-N-N-I-F-F.com to learn more and to see more podcasts. And we're, of course, on YouTube if you want to see what we look like. Um, uh, Batu is much better looking than me, so I'm, I'm glad he's here, and uh, maybe that will drive traffic to um, to where we want it to go. But thanks again, Batu, and thank you, everybody, for listening. And remember, we'll be back with another podcast before you know it.